when after the beginning of the Russian invasion, I said the president is here when millions of Ukrainians decided at the same time we are here and we will not surrender. And when the world supported us saying democracies are here, then it meant and still mean freedom is here. Human dignity is here. Law is here. And one day it will definitely mean peace is here. Welcome to the Truth and Democracy Coalition's monthly meeting. My name is Rich Procida. I'm the founder of the Truth and Democracy Coalition and the host of the Truth and Democracy podcast. Today, we will be discussing local democracy reform, specifically term limits for Whittier City, City Council. Uh, local governments can be hotbeds of corruption because fewer people pay attention to local politics. Mm -hmm. And much of the struggle to defend democracy is happening in the states right now. The forthcoming Supreme Court decision in the case of Moore v. Harper will decide whether state legislatures can run elections without judicial or federal oversight. If we are to save American democracy, we will have to fight at the state and local levels to protect voting rights and election integrity. The Truth and Democracy Coalition was formed to build a pro-democracy movement in America. We educate the public about disinformation, teach people to be critical of the propaganda they consume, and provide critical analysis of current events and social issues. We produce media and educational materials, hold seminars and meetings like this one, work with other organizations, and organize events and activities geared toward building a pro-democracy movement in America. The coalition seeks to build communities of people of different faiths and ideologies to defend and promote democracy locally, nationally, and globally. We are recording this session and it's also live on YouTube. It will be republished on YouTube and Facebook and both audio and video forms on the Truth and Democracy podcast. We're on Facebook and YouTube. You can go to youtube.com slash at Truth and Democracy Coalition. What I want to do first is make some announcements and introduce Stephanie, and then we'll have some time at the end for questions and answers. First, I want to tell you about our upcoming events. A, a very important one is on Friday, January 6th at 7 p.m. at Whittier City Hall. We're going to be celebrating democracy with speakers, music, food, and fun. We're going to be organizing and activating to do local democracy reform as well as advocate nationally as well for a holiday to celebrate democracy on Jan 6th. So join us as we rally for democracy and against election denialism. Um, and then on January 8th at 2 p.m., we're having another Zoom meeting, our regular second Sunday of the month meeting. We will have braver angels with us to train us how to move past political rancor. They will show us their techniques 
for reaching across the political divide. So to register for that, go to tinyurl.com slash braverangel. Finally, I want to thank you for your support as we advance forward with our efforts to defend democracy. You can find us at truthanddemocracycoalition.com. Now uh, to our program for today. Democracy is under attack in the United States and around the world. In America, the struggle for democracy has moved to the states. Laws making it more difficult to vote and allowing partisan officials to overturn election results have been proposed in state houses across the nation. These types of voter suppression bills are not limited to state governments. Local governments also seek to suppress the vote in order to hold on to power. Stephanie Vallejo is the leader of the Friendly Hills Neighborhood Organization, a group advocating for term limits for Whittier City Council. She accuses council members of unethical behavior and says that the city government lacks transparency. Uh, she, some of the city leaders, she alleges, are not following fair political practice commission regulations regarding political records and allowing are allowing unfettered lobbying by the construction industry leading to gentrification. In recent years, the city council moved city elections to a more expensive off-cycle election day, meaning the election is not on the regular election day. Instead, it's on another day, forcing people to come out to vote just to vote for city council with fewer people going to the polls. This helps them control the outcome of the, the election. It reduces turnout. And um, that's their way of controlling the outcome of the, the election and suppressing our vote. And many of the same council members have been on the council for over 18 years and community activists complain that the council is unresponsive to the demands of the community. So let join us as we lift up this local activist and organize locally to promote, defend, and protect democracy. Uh, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so let me start by just telling the audience a little bit about myself. I live in Whittier and I lived in Whittier for uh, quite a long time, about over over 20 years. Um, I'm not a politician and um, I don't know everything about this topic that I'm gonna talk about, only the things that I have researched myself. And um, my investigation has led me to conclude or is leading me to conclude to some of these uh, things that I'm gonna allege. Um, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, and I'm a retired police officer. I'm also a teacher. And uh, obviously what, like Richard said, a community advocate. So I just want to tell you how Friendly Hills neighborhood started. And in 2021, we started because um, one of our, uh, we were notified through the newspaper that a local development was taking place around the corner from um, my area. And this complex was going to bring more traffic, more noise. Um, it was going to create a safety issue because 
it's across the street from a hospital. And it's an area that's heavily trafficked by uh, parents taking their children to school. A lot of people use our area because uh, we are right above Whittier Boulevard and they cross, uh, they cut through our streets to uh, get to Colima or other little uh, larger areas or streets. So we were not happy about this, this issue. So we took, a, we took it up with the city hall and we organized. We started having meetings, community meetings. We had a lot of neighbors come out and voice their opinions about why they didn't want this development. And it's, it's not an affordable housing development, which I want to make clear. I'm not against uh, housing, affordable housing, but I'm against housing that's high density and it's going to affect the quality of life in neighborhoods. So I just wanted to be clear about that. So we ended up having a bunch of community meetings and I invited uh, our city council members and my area representative, who is Kathy Warner, uh, also attended was Mayor Joe Vinatieri, Joseph Vinatieri, and our city manager also attended. His name is Brian Seiki. So during these meetings, our council member, in my opinion, uh, gave us, how can I say it, express it. She made it seem that she was very concerned about it and that her words was, I'm going to pull this issue up, this project, so that we can review it. And she gave us tips on how to how to fight it, um, what we can do about it. Um, and it seemed like she she was really trying to help us. But to our demise, what I ended up finding out later is that she really wasn't trying to help us because the information we were trying to seek out, she knew um, and she didn't tell us about it. So I just felt that she wasn't very transparent in this process. And so a lot of interesting people started showing up to our meetings. Uh, a former council member, his name was Greg Nordback or is, he showed up because he was representing the developer and his job was to pass, to make sure that the project got passed in City Hall. Being a former council member, he was very uh, aware and he knew how the process worked. Um, so I found that kind of interesting. Um, at the end of one of our meetings, my, our mayor, Joe Terry, never said one word. He just stood in the back and never said anything to any of us. Not Didn't talk about the, the concerns we had as a neighborhood, nothing like that. And I remember, I recall that at the end of one of these meetings we had, he said, did you invite the developer to a meeting? And I said, no. And then he said, I think you should. And that kind of left me perplexed because I didn't understand why instead of talking to us about our concerns, he was more concerned about the developer. So, you know, I started thinking, uh, that's kind of that's strange. So to make the story, the long story short, we fought it, um, we lost. The city council all voted for this project. Um, the project could have been reduced by five um, units. Instead, they only reduced it by one. So we also asked them for traffic calming measures and a crosswalk to keep our children safe in the area because they walk up and down that street. And we were concerned that more cars meant somebody could get hurt. 
the city council also denied our crosswalk request. So, you know, I was just perplexed. I was lost. I was dumbfounded by, by their response to all of our concerns. They could have at least given us a crosswalk. So I'm going to start sharing this PowerPoint because I want to show you some information that, uh, that, I, that I ended up finding out. So I'm going to go ahead and share. And you'll start seeing this PowerPoint. All right, perfect. So so um, what I want to talk about is, you know, I started doing research, and what I started finding out is this is this kind of there's corruption going on in our in our local governments. And I wanted to know to what levels, how how that was happening. So I started researching, and of course, I found out about the LA City Hall corruption involving Councilman Weezer. And I found this article called Breaking Down the Federal Corruption Probe in LA City Hall, which I found very interesting, and then I'm going to explain why, why I did in a few seconds. I also found this article um, from a website, michaelcolhas.org where he talks about um, about a person named Weezar, and he is part of the Tony Cabral group who also was a lobbyist and had something to do with corruption in LA City Hall. So now we have the Cabral group and we have um, these other people right here, Chris and Jeff. So I started going, who are these people? And then I decided to start looking at campaign finances. So I started with Councilman Dutra, who is our councilman and in our city. And I started looking up his campaign finance forms. And I saw that we have a Cabral group donating money to our council members. And also Jeff and Denise were donating to our council. Now, I'm starting to see a pattern here where People who are being accused, allegedly accused of um, being involved in some type of corruption in other cities are donating to our own council members. So that for me was like a really big, big red flag. Move forward um, a few years back, we had a, another apartment, large apartment, excuse me, apartment complex being built right next to a school in a really heavy traffic area. It's called the Catalina Apartments. So the Catalina Apartments, we noticed that that real estate developer was, was built these apartments that was approved, also opposed by the community for safety reasons. And I come out to find out that the real estate developer was arrested by the FBI for a bribery case. It's a, it's a very common thing that's starting to come up where these developers are bribing city, um, either employees or council members. And um, well, guess what? He also donated to um, one of our council members campaign. So, you know, I started seeing a lot of little red flags come up. Next, we see uh, in council member Dutra's campaign finances, I started noticing a company called Superior, Superior Management out of our own city, the city of Whittier. And I thought that was really interesting. 
I later found out that this person who was donating to our council member is a friend of Councilman Dutra's, and he had post, he had placed her on the on the uh, planning commission of our city. She was involved in passing um, and voting yes on the development we were opposing in our own city. And I what I found really interesting is that in this per, this person also manages the Catalina apartments, which are the apartments that we were talking about right here. So she's managing these apartments. She's involved with our city council member. He places her on the planning commission, which of course has to be approved by all council members, but he initially voted for her. So I'm starting to see things that are concerning to me. And one of the things that I started looking up is this woman, uh, Yvonne Connolly, uh, became someone that I wanted to look into. Because when I noticed that on her real estate license, her real estate license had been suspended in 2016 for two years, but yet she's on our planning commission. So I thought, okay, here's a person making very important decisions, financial decisions, right? And decisions that affect our community, who's on the planning commission. First red flag was, why was her license suspended? The next thing I noticed is, and I'm going to skip here to hopefully you can see this. This is her website. And on her website, right here, this person here is our council member's son. So her, his son also works for her. So then we start seeing a commingling of, of I don't know, I, it would almost sound to me that it's a conflict of interest. The other thing I noticed was that Ms. Connolly has um, public records that I have made available through my own website that states that she has um, recorded tax liens with the county of Los Angeles, which is a public record that she owes money for many years ago. And yet she's sitting on our planning commission. So she's in violation. It would appear that she has not paid those. I don't know. But there are public recordings stating that the state has not received uh, or that she owes money to the state. So, you know, it's I, I would think that that's an ethical concern. I don't know. What do you think? Um, so moving forward, the other thing I started looking into is our mayor's campaign finances. And one of the things that I found that was really interesting was that he was paying a person named Michael Lewis. And Michael Lewis was also making contributions to all of our council members, or at least two of them, to their campaigns, their political campaigns. And it's through either Michael Lewis or Lewis and Associates. So I started saying, well, who is Michael Lewis? And how is Michael Lewis involved in this scheme of things? So enter what's called CICWQ and CICAQ, which stands for the Construction Industry Coalition of Water Quality and the Construction Industry of Coalition for Air Quality. So this man, Michael Lewis, runs two nonprofit organizations. And you can see on the screen, it says, nonprofit group of trade associations representing builders, trade contractors, home builders, 
labor unions, landowners, project developers in California. So developers, that's basically who this person works for. Michael Lewis runs and owns both these nonprofit organizations. This is the same person who is donating to our council members and paying or he's being paid by some of our council members, as you saw on the previous slide. At one time, Jovenetary, our mayor, paid him $5,000. I don't understand, you know, it says for political issues, but this man is associated with contractors. So I didn't understand quite why he's involved in the campaigning finance portion of it. So now we have Michael Lewis, who's contributing to our council members, who's being paid by our council members for political signs or political whatever, who's directly involved with the construction industry. So I would think that that's a, some type of conflict of interest. Then what I later found out is Michael Lewis also sits on the board of the Southern California Contractors Association as a local government advocacy committee. And his partner, Michael Gray, sits on the Building Industry Association of Southern California. The BIASC is a huge monster. It's a big organization that represents a lot of uh, developers. And um, they're currently bragging about how um, Mr. Bonta, our general attorney, um, asked for their endorsement. And they're saying that that's the first time political, big political people are asking for endorsements of, of this organization. Yet somehow this is tied back to Whittier. It's just, it just kind of blew my mind. Little things like that that I started seeing. Um, so after seeing a lot of these things that really raise a lot of red flags and a lot of Mr. Dutra, our council members, um, uh, campaign forms were either missing information. He failed to provide people's business names and what they do for a living as required by the government code. Um, there were just a lot of misinformation on his campaign forms. I decided to move forward and file a Fair Political Practices Commission, the FPPC Sworn Affidavit Commission against Mr. Dutra which is currently being investigated. These are all allegations. Nothing's been proven by the FPPC. They are investigating it. However, second part of this is I looked at our, our city of Whittier municipal code and that we do have a campaign finance municipal code law. And it says that if you violate these, you're in violation of a misdemeanor. So it would, it would, it would appear that allegedly Mr. Dutra, if he is in violation of these, these campaign finance laws, that he's also in violation of misdemeanors per our municipal code. So um, that's another thing that I'm looking at currently in, in um, possibly filing a criminal complaint against him for violating these things. So it's a lot of information, huh, Richard? <laughs> So I wanna talk a little bit our, about our city elections. In the city of Whittier, we run our own city elections. Um, they're on even years and they're conducted in April. 
um, out of about, ooh, I, um, I put, okay, so I did, meet, I did meet with our city clerk and got some information about our city elections. And I actually found out that our city, our city elections only cost the city of Whittier $50,000 to run, as opposed to paying $150,000 to have the county run it. But here is the problem with that. In our last election, last year in April, or this year in April, uh, the city does send out absentee ballots to everybody in the city that's a registered voter. But the problem with that is we only get two voting centers. As opposed to our last general election, uh, what, a month ago or less than that, um, the county ran it. And we had, in my own area, I had three voting centers. So the city of Whittier is opting to save money. And I know, and I have to make the correction that in our description, we said that, that the city's is more expensive. It's actually less expensive to run our own elections because they're giving us less voting centers. That means that if you lose your ballot, you don't get a ballot or whatever happens that you wanna go vote in person, you only have two places to go do it. And our little city is 14 square miles big we should have more than two voting centers. It was interesting to me that our city clerk was really proud of the fact that he only spends $50,000 on our election. And I told him that that was unacceptable. Uh, we have a lot of other people and those voting centers weren't even centralized. They weren't uh, accessible to people who possibly don't have a, a way to get to the voting center, right? Or maybe have a disability and they can't, walk that far. They, they don't have a car to drive there. So um, I told him we needed more voting centers. And he, he did say that next election, they were going to add two more voting centers. So and, you know, I just don't think that's acceptable. I feel that we need to put a lot more voting centers in our city to give more access to all of our community members to have the opportunity to vote. I think in doing otherwise, people are not going to vote. We're already in the off cycle election. And that means that less people are gonna vote than usual. This last general election, we had, um, we did have a municipal, I don't, I don't wanna say municipal, a school board member that um, positions quite a few that uh, pertain to our city. And one of those was the high school board. So, it was interesting to see how many more people voted in the general election as opposed to our city April election a few months earlier. So clearly what they're doing is not working. In my opinion, it's a way to repress or oppress the voters because you're not giving us a lot of options where we can go vote in person. And again, if you don't get a mail, a mail voting ballot or absentee ballot, for whatever reason, then you don't vote, right? So uh, unfortunately, these only two voting centers is just not gonna cut it for the city of Whittier. Another thing that concerned me, and actually one of my friends um, told me about this, do we provide education to our Spanish speaker or, or people who um, you know, maybe have never voted before or haven't filled out an absentee voting ballot, how to fill it out? You know, we don't do any of that. We don't do any of that type of thing. And that's necessary, I think, in our community, particularly. 
Also, because we do run our own elections, the city counts our votes. And to be honest with you, at this point, I don't feel that the city is trustworthy for us to trust that they're just an opinion of mine that, you know, they're going to do the right thing. I hope they do the right thing. But I just at this point in time, I just don't feel that we we should be running our own elections. The city is not transparent with us. The city doesn't want to hold themselves accountable for any of the things they've done. And um, we, I mean, we have council members not following finance campaign form laws. Um, who knows what else is going on? We haven't investigated that. So, um, you know, I'm very concerned about that. I'm very concerned about the way they hold our city elections. So I'm a proponent that we revert back to the general election um, and the primary election dates so that we all vote at the same time with those um, dates so that more voter turnout uh, is happening. And I am also a big proponent that the LA County uh, voters, registrar voters should be handling our elections, not the city of Whittier. So yeah, that, that was another thing that really was concerning to me. So um, because of all the reasons I talked about, my group and I started talking about how can we fix this in the interim and we, we decided that the best way to fix this is to have Whittier term limits. 